Well, welcome to the Vineyard. It is good to be back with you. Um, it would appear that most of us survived the whole thank, uh, Thanksgiving um, dinners and pies and whatnot all, and I, I really hope that you got to spend some time with family. Um, that was a really good opportunity for us this past weekend, was to have family coming in at different times, and, and it was just a joy. It really was. Leading up to that, uh, the, 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 the weekend even before that, <laughs> was just our opportunity to go out into the community, and if it feels like, man, and we're just going out, and we're going out, and we're going out. We really are. We want to go out and make a difference. We want to go out and for something to happen, and we want to go out. And today I want to talk about just the reasons that we continue to do this as a church. Why are we doing, and, and what is the opportunities, and kind of what's going on. Um, I was thinking about these two nuts and bolts. We talked about our doubts last week, and the fact that God doesn't shame us for our doubts. The idea that God can use our doubts, our doubts can be a tool for God to shape us and draw us closer to Him. Today I want to talk about what it means for us to abide in Christ. I want uh, to talk about the idea of remaining there and looking at it, just a little bit of Scripture and how it relates to who we are and what's going on as the vineyard in John 15. So <clears throat> we're going to read that and then we're going to jump in um, to these three things that I want to share with you this morning, okay? In the book of John, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, Jesus said this to you and I. He's on his way to Calvary. He's on his way to the cross. And he's talking to his disciples. And he's talking to people that will listen. And he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory so that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As Jesus is telling us this story, he's telling it in a, in a, in a, in a place, in a, in a culture where um, grapes and winemaking and, and the, the metaphors of, of wine and, and uh, you know, the concept of going into the promised land and milk and honey and grapes and all of that is in front of them. The vineyards that, that are there used to be over there and, and it looks about like this. So if this picture were in front of you and you're, you're listening to Jesus talk about what it means and we're talking about there's this vine and it's growing um, and, and, and you and I, we're not the vine, we're the branches. And he's painting a picture of a gardener that is taking care of this vineyard, okay? And so as he goes along and he sees little branches that aren't uh, producing grapes, he just takes his scissors out and he snips them. Now, I don't want this message to be a great big giant downer. That's not the point. I want to look at what it means for you and I to be people that continue to produce fruit, continue to make a difference. Man, when I was hearing the stories of our, our teams that went out and were coming back in and, and just talking about going 
coming into people's homes and loving on them and praying for them and, and interacting with them last week as, as they, they shared groceries and things like that. It was absolutely amazing. So we had church in the morning and then we had outreach and then that night we had a pulse and we cried out to God and it was just one of those things where God said, fine, I'll show up, I'll meet with you. And it was overwhelming. And to see that going on in our lives and to feel like we were bearing fruit and making a difference outside, outside. We're going out there and we're doing that thing. And it was just absolutely wonderful. And so this week I was just thinking, Lord, what does it mean for us to remain in your presence? And for whatever reason, maybe because I shared it in a sermon here, um, I was just thinking about the Mount of Transfiguration from the, the doubt sermon and the idea that Peter was up there and he was like, Lord, let's just stay here. And as tired as I was last week and wanted to go home and just crawl up in the covers and not wake up for a couple of days, I still was at that spot of saying, God, why can't it always be like that? Why can't we always be just so overwhelmed by your presence? And, 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 and I think that what I want to share with you today is just the idea of what it, may, uh, what it means for you and I to remain in that sweet spot with Jesus. What does it mean for you and I to be the branches, to be producing fruit, to continue to move forward so that the Lord is proud of us? Well, first of all, as we think about this idea of coming together, I, I, there, there, these are the things that I think that we need to do. First of all, we need to remain in Christ, and that's what Jesus said. If you remain in me and I remain in you, and it, it, I mean, you say, well, that's pretty like overly simply stated. It's like, no, it really isn't because a lot of times people don't get that. The picture of that in the Greek is of a dish that's real crusty and nasty soaking in the sink, <clears throat> okay? Like you had, you know, maybe lasagna for Thanksgiving dinner or something, I don't know, and you left the plate out on the, on the, the, the counter because it's like, hey, you're going to clean that? No. Are you going to clean that? No. And so you got that thing going on in the house, and so the next morning you wake up and there's that dish, and it's got that nasty lasagna in it, and now it's like cement, right? <clears throat> now it's like, you know, I mean, it's going to take a chisel to get that stuff off, or you stick it in the sink and it just soaks and soaks and soaks. So the Greek word for remain in me, to abide in me, that Greek word is to soak, just like dirty dishes. And, and I, was, I was thinking about that, I thought, how appropriate, because sometimes we're dirty dishes. And the Lord just says, hey, just sit here and be in my presence. Just sit here and soak. And we say, well, then what does it mean for us to abide? And we get soaked clean and we become useful again. And it's like, what are you doing here, Lord? I don't know about you, but there are times that I do want to soak. Every once in a while, like every single day, the fireplace goes on at my house. And if we get chilled, we want to go soak, right? In Oklahoma, I used to hunt out in the woods a lot, sit in a tree stand for hours and hours and hours. And then when I would come in from the wintertime, because it got nasty cold out there, I would be just chilled to the bone. And all I wanted to do was soak. That's all I wanted to do. All my wife wanted me to do was soak because she had an opinion about a sport that you were part of that you had to soak in dough pee in order to go out into the woods and then you came back into her house smelling like dough pee and could you please go soak in the tub and get that off of you she said we could spend a lot less money and get a lot more hamburger if you would just simply run to Walmart and spend all that money there and it's like, but then we wouldn't have the conquering and we wouldn't have the, you know, the man card and all of that stuff going on. 
But there's that part where we just want to soak. And that's the idea of what Christ is saying is, if you will abide in me. Or another way for you and I to look at it um, with the metaphor, with the grapes, is if you will remain attached at the branch, okay? Excuse me, at the vine. If the branch will stay attached at the vine, then it will produce fruit because nutrients can go out to it. In the spring, it makes leaves, and then as the leaves come, come the little berries that will turn into grapes, and the grapes can be turned into food, or they can be turned into wine, and, and they are representative in the Old Testament of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we look at that, and we say, well, what does it mean for you and I <clears throat> to remain in Christ, right? Well, certainly it means to surrender to Christ. It certainly means that. Certainly it means that we obey Christ. Certainly it means that we lift up the name of Christ. And certainly it means that we recognize that Jesus is on the throne. Now, I was already in a discussion with somebody this morning when I posted an invitation for people to come here. And uh, he lives far away, but he, he already wanted to say, now hold on a second. I love that imperfect people are allowed at your church, but why do you say, you know, you don't have to be perfect to, to come? Are you not going to call them to be perfect? Because James says, be ye therefore perfect, even as I am perfect, that God says that. James is quoting God. And it's like, wow, as soon as he said ye, I knew right where he was coming from, right? <laughs> right there. It's like, we're not looking to be religious. We're looking to be in a relationship with God who is in heaven. That is my goal. That is, when, when we planted this church, it's like, that's what I want. I want us to remain in Christ because we're in a relationship with him, not because we come to church. Remaining in Christ is not about going to church. Believe it or not, it's not about that. That's one aspect of it. It's about dwelling in the presence of God and being aware of that. It's about walking with Christ. It's about interacting with Christ on a, on a, just on a very uh, daily basis. But this idea of remaining in Christ is where Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things that you're worrying about, where should we eat, what, I mean, excuse me, where should we live, what should we eat, what should we wear, all of these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is giving this, this idea that, that uh, we should seek first the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom does not mean go to church. Seeking first the kingdom does not mean surrender your life to Jesus. That's not what it means. Seeking first the kingdom presupposes that you're surrendering your life to God. It's a given. Seeking first the kingdom presupposes that then you're going to come together with the body of believers and you're going to grow. But it presupposes that every area of your life, you're going to stop and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this area? How do you want me to live my, my life at my, my career? What's your career? What, I, mean, I mean, what's your career? How are you going to be a mechanic for Jesus? How are you going to be a salesman for Jesus? How are you going to be a student for Jesus? How are you going to be a teacher for Jesus? How are you going to be a medical professional for Jesus? How are you going to do that? That's what it means to seek first uh, the kingdom of God to find the kingdom of God or bring the kingdom of God wherever it is that you go. Now, not that you're always like, bless his high and holy name, bless his high and holy name every single time you turn around, okay? But not not that. Not not that. Just being aware in, uh, excuse me, of Jesus in all of the things that we're doing. So when we have people over at the house, are we aware of Christ? As we're going by and we want to do something for the homeless, are we doing it for 
Christ? Or are we doing it for us? We have got to remain in Christ. And there's a lot of people that don't remain in Christ. There's a lot of people that will become a branch, but they're not bearing fruit because they're, they're doing spiritual things. And that was my discussion this morning with this gentleman. Jesus didn't invite us to do spiritual things. He invited us to be in a relationship with him. Come, follow me. Walk with him on a daily basis. He challenges the Pharisees, who are the religious people of the day, and says, <clears throat> he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear what God says is because you don't belong to God. And then Jesus challenges us with stories like um, the, the soils, the four type of soils, the stony soil, the hard path, and the shallow soil, and then the good soil. And, and when you look at that, he's always saying about 25% are, are, it's making sense to them. He says there's going to be a broad way that goes into hell, and there's going to be a narrow way that goes into heaven. And he keeps challenging you and I. And again, I don't want to preach hellfire and brimstone. I just want to stop and begin to ask us, are we remaining in Christ? Somebody um, hit me up when I was at the coffee shop this past week because they'd seen the pictures of our outreach that we share with one another, and, and they're out there. Um, but the point of them being out there is to encourage you that are a part of this, provide for this. And this man said, you know, that encourages me to see you doing that. And he said, why don't you advertise? Why don't you, you know, put it on this, that, and the other thing, that this is what you're doing, and this is why you're doing it. And I said, because we're doing it for Jesus. We're not doing it for us. We're not doing it for the vineyard. We're not doing it in the name of the vineyard. When we take our beds to children for Christmas, we're not doing it so that we can be flashy for vineyard. We're doing it because there's a child that needs a bed, and the kingdom of God wants that bed in that child's home. And so we're there on behalf of Jesus. We just happen to gather as the vineyard. And so when we, thought, when we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, I would challenge you, does that describe your relationship to Jesus, that you seek first the kingdom? Or do you go to church? Or do we do spiritual things? If we're going to remain in Christ, then the other thing is we have to remain focused. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. God Almighty is the gardener, Jesus said. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. First and foremost, whatever He wants in our life is our calling. Whatever God asks of me today is the calling in my life. I began to think about this calling in my life. I got called to be a pastor. And, and, and I just felt like I heard the Lord saying, you know what, whatever I'm calling you to do today, that's your calling. And I think that's what he wants from us. And I began to just process out, we're the bride. We're not the bridegroom. Joe Wood is not the bridegroom. He's the bride. I'm the sheep. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the son or the daughter. I am not the father. I am the created, not the creator. I am in the garden, but I am not the gardener. I am the branch, but I am not the main vine. And I believe that the Lord is challenging me personally in that. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. He said that. Blessed are the pure in heart. He opens up the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart are not the people that are perfect. They're not the people that are without fault. They're the people that have one focus. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the kingdom of God. Does that describe you? Man, I understand my purpose on this life. Even though I'm enjoying my education, I'm enjoying my career, I'm enjoying my family, I'm enjoying the things that the Lord has blessed me with, but am I staying focused and staying with the understanding blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that have one goal, to see the kingdom of God 
come because they're going to produce berries. They're going to produce grapes. And eventually, they're going to enter into the kingdom of God. It's a single focus. I understand my priority. I understand my purpose. In order for me to be who I'm called to be, I have to know who I'm called to be. And what did John say in John chapter 1? He says, uh, or Christ says through John, he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision, but a husband's will. Excuse me, not a husband's will, but born of God. So we have this free gift, you and I. We're the branch. We're children of God. We're called to produce fruit. We're sons and daughters of the king. Do I recognize as I go through life with my single purpose, seeking first the kingdom, that that's what I'm supposed to be doing? I was challenged as I was thinking about that by the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And I thought, Lord, what does the seven churches in the book of Revelation have to do? And God goes through and he encourages them and he, he says, man, you did great things here. You did great things. But he challenged them over and over again to not quit, to not let up, to not slow down, to, to persevere, to stay at it. And, and sometimes we just get tired, don't we? Man, we come in and, and we're going through this, this fall and we've had like um, uh, the, the great pumpkin party and then we had the Thanksgiving outreach and then we've got the Christmas outreach and then we've got the volunteers um, party next week and then we've got the, the board party and then we've got the staff party and I'm just kind of going through and you say, wow, well, I mean, being a pastor just means party, party, party. Well, yeah, but you know, sooner or later, even, even partying gets wear, wear you out. It just will. It's work, it's your job, it's, it's whatever. And the Lord is saying we stay at these things to inspire and encourage and challenge people to move forward. In the book of Revelation, remember, Jesus is speaking to church people. He's speaking to Christian people, okay, when he says this. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will, be, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the next church, he says, whoever who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. And then he says to the third one, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one that receives it. And then to the next church, he says, to the one that is victorious, who does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule with an iron scepter, will dash to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I give it um, to that one in the morning, this is the morning star. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. To the last two, he says, the one that is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, he says, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it, and I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven. Um, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. Sorry, this is the last one. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So he goes through these seven churches, and he says, you've got to stay at it. Remain in Christ and remain focused. And we are about to enter Christmas season. 
And we've already seen the horror videos from Black Friday and how thankful we are that we could run over people and get the good gifts and the big TVs. Man, when I saw people hauling, you know, 42 and 63-inch televisions out of Walmart over top of each other's backs, it was like, I don't want a TV that bad. I just don't. I would rather pay full price for my TV. But that's the season we're heading into, and the Lord is challenging us. Before we enter this season, stop and think about it, because we've got to persevere in what it means to remain in Christ and to remain focused on the kingdom of God. And then the last thing he tells us in this verse is that we need to remain productive. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It was absolutely the last thing he said. So if we're talking about what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how do we walk with the Spirit and things like that, then we recognize that God is calling us uh, to, to remain here, but these things are so that we can make disciples. And I would, I would just ask you, have you ever made a disciple? Have you ever led somebody to Christ? Now, those of us that are parents, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't cut myself any slack, okay? Uh, it's like that's an expectation from God that we would raise our children in godliness. We would cha- raise our children in holiness. That's, a, that's an expectation. Have you ever led a coworker? Have you ever led a neighbor? Have you ever led somebody to Christ? Because that's what the Scripture is talking about in John 15, about you and I bearing much fruit. It honestly is about us making grapes. And you know what those grapes have in them? Seeds that make more grapevines. So, so Christ is talking about the concept of making disciples. And, and that's called the Great Commission. And the crazy thing is that when we make a disciple that makes a disciple, then we've come full circle, and that's what's important. So whether it's through small group, whether it's through intentional times at work, we're called to make disciples. If we're going to remain productive, then we also need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Scripture says we need to keep in step with the Spirit, and we need to take risks. And honestly, around here, that's how we spell faith, R-I-S-K. Sometimes we just have to get out of the boat and do it. Some of you did that. Somebody said they showed up at an apartment with you know, a couple of bags of groceries, opened the door, and there's a man, and he's just stark naked. Not exactly what they expected. Not what they expected. Thankfully, the man looked at him and said, I probably should go put clothes on, shouldn't I? And everybody thought that was a good idea. And thankfully, the children weren't at the door yet. And so that was okay. Thank you, Jesus. But we're going to have to take risks. We're going to have to get out there where where, uh, people are going to make us uncomfortable. Where we're not used to interacting with people that are different than us. And it's going to be really, really important. You're going to end up doing things if you're going to chase after Christ and bear fruit that you didn't used to do. If we stop and think about, what was that that somebody put out two years ago, a year and a half ago? Um, The six people that you are closest to in your life are the six people, that's who you're going to become. Look at the six people that you're closest to. Um, um, Solomon said that a long time ago when he wrote the book of uh, Proverbs to his son. Basically, he said, if you run with these people when they call to you and they want to lay traps, you're going to become like them and you're going to get caught in them. But what is it that we're doing? We need to remain productive. Jesus talks about if our branch dries up, it gets cut off. And then he he told this uh, story, Mark shares this story about walking with Jesus when he says the next day they were leaving Bethany and Jesus was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. But he said to the tree anyway, may no one ever eat from you again. And the disciples heard him. And when they came back later going the other way, they saw that the fig tree had, had dried up. 
And so you see this picture of Jesus living out this very scripture from John 15. And so we're looking at this idea of remaining in Christ, of remaining focused, and continuing to remain productive. And what does it mean for us as the vineyard? Why are you here? Why are we here? What, did, what, what part did God play in you coming to this church, to this gathering? It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's, it's a little thinner on Sunday morning, but still. What part did God play in you coming here and this becoming your family or your tribe or your people? Because our goal as a church is to make disciples. That's why you being in a small group is so, so, so important. That's why we want you to plug in. We don't want you to come to church. We want you to be the church. We want you to grow. We want you to produce fruit. So we do want to see people surrender their lives. We want to see people enter small groups. We want to see people commit to uh, growing in faith. We want to see people praying. We want to see people giving. We want to see people serving on a regular basis. And we want to see people bringing other people. What does it mean for us to bear fruit? We want to teach people to be leaders. We want to do that. We want to discover what you're really good at. We want to provide ministry opportunities for you to jump into. We do volunteer trainings because we have this mission statement in front of us that we exist to invite people into relationship with Jesus Christ and see their lives change through the process of discipleship. When you look at that, did that describe you? Did that describe your relationship to coming here and hearing God say, plug in? Uh, do you serve on a team, on a ministry team here? Can you stop and say, wow, that is my church. We do that. We make that happen in this community. I have a hand in that. You know, our children know Jesus. Our children go home talking to their parents about the Bible stories because you're willing to serve in the children's department. Our youth are growing in Christ because you're willing to volunteer in the youth. You make it easy for somebody to walk in these doors because you're willing to cut the donuts in half and, and, and put them on a tray and get ready for them. People feel safe when they come in if they're new here because they can hide behind an 8-ounce cup of coffee. 210 pound, I know I'm being careful, but 210 pound man can be perfectly safe behind a cup of coffee. And nobody knows why. But it's like a barrier between, between us when they come into a strange place. What is your part in that? Have you been attending this church for a long time and yet you've never taken the starting point that's going to be next week? It's okay to ask questions. Hey, why do you guys do this? What do you believe about that? Um, where do you get this from? Um, why are the lights dim? Uh, why do you sing this kind of music? It is okay to, to come into starting point, begin to say, what is the reason that Vineyard exists? And is this a place for me to stop and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to raise my children here. I want to meet somebody that loves Jesus like me here and maybe begin a relationship with them. I want to, I want to be a part of this and go out Outside these walls and continue to share with people that Jesus loves them and he's not mad and he's not angry I want to be a part of that where are you in that the covenant that you've signed if this is your church you ever stopped and gone back and reread that thing 
How are you continuing to encourage the people around you? Because listen, they just sin different than you, but we all need a Savior. I am so thankful. This young man challenged me this morning, said, and, and what about people needing to be perfect? And I said, I am so thankful that I'm not. And that's why the Lord said that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he said that thousands of years ago because he knew that today we would still need that because we're not perfect on this side of heaven. We can be whole in understanding that we're spiritual beings and physical beings wrestling and, and following after God, but we're not going to be perfect as in without fault. And how am I getting that across to people without judging them? And do I understand that you and I are better together than we are apart? That it's not about just bouncing from church to church to church, sampling here and there, and they're really never committing. Never a place where I get to be challenged. Never a place where I am challenged or where I challenge other people. Never a place where I get to be a part of what's going on. Because God told us to remain in uh, connected to the branch I mean to the vine and we've got to remain in that vine we've got to remember it's about abiding with Christ on a regular basis it's about getting up and knowing that the Holy Spirit woke up with you it's about moving forward knowing that he's inviting you to pray for that person he's inviting you to invite that person he's inviting you to pay for that person whatever that might be but God wants to speak to you and as we go into a season, I just want to come out of Thanksgiving saying, thank you, Lord, for the vineyard. And just remind us one more time that these are the things that we do because we committed to each other after we committed to Christ. And we're going to move forward going into 2019 if God tarries. And we're going to celebrate this whole Christmas season because people were looking for hope. And it's that hope that we bring when we're willing to remain in Christ. These people are up here to pray for you. And while I was sitting there enjoying the worship and immersing myself there, I began to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And I just feel like some of you are facing some aches and pains. Some of you maybe are facing some surgery. Maybe, I, I'm, I'm not sure what it might be, but, but we want to pray for you. We want to continue to pray for the Ritchie family and for joy. We want to pray for people whose marriages are struggling. We want to pray for people that are looking at life-threatening issues. We want to pray for your careers. We, we don't want to just say words over you. I believe in the power of God to be moved by our prayers, to hear us cry out and to touch your life. And that's why we do this every Sunday. And so I want to encourage you as we go into this psalm. We just came out of a, a, now we're in a season of being thankful. And it's not always easy to be thankful. And maybe there's something that you need prayer for this morning. Can we pray for you this morning? Can we do that? I want to invite you to your feet as we go into this psalm. And these people are up here, and you can come up here anytime you want to be prayed.